In the next verse, then Pilate said to him, Are you not speaking are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you and power to release you? And Jesus answered, You could have no power at all against me, unless it had been given to you from above. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Pilate was amazed that Jesus was not intimidated by his power as judge to condemn and crucify. In his understanding of power, Pilate felt that he held the power position and was mystified that Jesus didn't see it. Jesus answered, explaining the true nature of power to Pilate. In the thinking of the Roman governor, Rome had the power. In reality, God held the power. Jesus understood that Pilate had power. He simply insisted that this power was granted by God and not inherent in Pilate or Rome. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. Her clothes dyed this purple. And then they said, Hail, King of the Jews, and they struck him with their hands. In Mark's gospel of the same account, it says that they not only struck him on the head uh, with with their hands, but they also struck him on the head with a reed, which is basically a a wooden stick. And he had the crown of thorns on his head. Think of that. The crown of thorns are already digging into his scalp, and then they take a reed, and then they're whacking him over the head with it. Think of what that's doing. It's driving those spikes even further in. Now, my intention this morning is not to gross anybody out, but these details of what Jesus went through are, at some point, we should understand what he went through. Because it was torture. And notice, they spit on him, and they mocked him. They bowed the knee before him, and they worshipped him. And Pilate, verse 4, went out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I, have, I find no fault in him. Are you kidding me? The truth of the matter is, if, if he found no fault in Jesus, then legally he should have let him go, but he didn't. And as we looked at last week, there were many Ill, Ill, illegalities in the apprehension and the trial of Jesus. But notice at this time, Jesus had already been scourged with the flagellum. He'd already been punched. He'd already had the crown of thorns beat into his head with a reed. And Pilate brings him out now, a bloody mess, an uncondemned man whom they flog mercilessly and has the gall to say, Behold, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no fault in him. Really? Is that what you do in Rome? Even the Romans had laws, and they were breaking all kinds of laws here. Even the Jews had laws. Even when they did exact capital punishment, they had laws about what to do. 
Then Jesus came out, verse 5, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to them, Behold the man. You know, and after all they did to Jesus, he was still standing and silent before his accusers, not confessing any guilt because he was guiltless. He was guiltless. And what does it tell us in Isaiah 53, uh, verses 4 through 7 and 10 through 12? It says, Surely he, and, and, and Isaiah writing this 700 years before Christ would even be born in the flesh, it says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Who is this man that Isaiah is referring to? It's none other than Jesus Christ. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes, that's singular, by the way, and by his stripes, we have been healed. And all we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Yet uh, he was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And in verse 10 of Isaiah 53, it says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, to crush him. It pleased God the Father to crush him, not because he was some sadistic father, but it, sat, it satisfied him. That's what it means. He wasn't pleased to do it. He didn't want to do it. It broke his heart to do it, but he knew that it was the only way to redeem people to himself. Because God's justice says, the man who sins shall surely die. And every one of us, the Bible says, have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So there is only one person, unless we all of humanity goes to hell in a handbasket, there's only one who can save us from that. And Jesus is the only one who is sinless, the only one who could take that punishment for us. And he did it willingly. He did it knowingly. What He, he knew what he was up for. He knew what was going to happen. And for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame. And now he is seated at the right hand of God forevermore. Hallelujah! <laughs> right? Hallelujah! But notice what Isaiah goes on to say. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, and he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. Remember, Jesus had two malefactors on the on either side of him, and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Verse 6, back in our text, Therefore, when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, You take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. I find no fault in him. Crucifixion wasn't even invented by the Romans. We believe it was invented by the Persians. But yet the Romans perfected it, and the Jews had no authority to exact capital punishment, but the Romans did, because the Romans took that right away from the Jews. Verse 7, it says, the Jews answered, we have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. Again, another untruth. 
They didn't want to believe it, yet the scriptures had foretold that the Messiah would come, and behold, he does come, and they don't believe in him. And he fit all of the descriptors, all throughout the Old Old Testament prophecies. If they were just to stop for a minute and go through the prophecies and find out where he was born, where all, all these different details that we know, if they would have looked at that and they would have checked off those boxes, they're like, oh my goodness, it really is him. And he confirms it by the miracles. I mean, nobody can raise the dead. Nobody can open the eyes of a man who was born blind. No one can make a man who was infirm for 38 years to rise up again. Only God can do that. And yet he fits the bill of all the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, for fulfilling those things. I think we better wake up. That's what they should have done. <laughs> and yes, he is. In Philippians... This was true concerning Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of man, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the, even the death of the cross. And the Jews answered him, um, You know, in the law, excuse me, that the Jews are referring to is Leviticus. It says, whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death, and all the congregation shall certainly stone him. And the stranger, as well as him who is born in the land, when he blasphemes the name of the Lord, he shall be put to death. This was their, this is what they thought Jesus was guilty of. But he wasn't guilty of this because he is and was and is the Son of God. Today, he's still the Son of God. There's a man in heaven who rose, and he's coming back for you and I, the church. That's what the Bible says. He says, where I'm going, I'm going to come back for you. I promise you, I'm coming back for you. And I'm going to change your bodies in the twinkling of an eye, and you're going to be raised incorruptible. But the dead in Christ will rise first. And then you, which are alive and remain, will be caught up together with them. Hallelujah. Looking forward to that day. Amen? Yes. And they tried to accuse Jesus of blasphemy. And you can look at this scripture. We're not going to take any time to look at this because time is fleeting. But notice in verse 8, Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, notice he was afraid. Who was actually in control here? Pilate is now afraid. Instead of the mob being afraid of his authority, now he's afraid because they were very cunning, weren't they? They were going to use everything against Pilate and corner him to the point where he just couldn't bear the pressure of what he was going under. And we're going to see this again in verse 13. But Pilate's conscience was starting to really bother him. And he, would rather, he wouldn't admit it, but he was being manipulated by the Jewish leaders. And they continued to pile on the pressure until Pilate finally caved. And boy, did he. And there is nothing new under the sun. And he went again into the praetorium, verse 9, and said to Jesus, where are you from? Because now Pilate is thinking, if if they're claiming that you're the son of God and that's part of the problem here, then where are you from? And notice, Jesus didn't answer him. He gave him no answer. Notice Pilate's fear and conviction about hearing that Jesus might be the Messiah. And he proves it by the question that he asks in the next verse. Then Pilate said to him, are you not speaking... Are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you and power to release you? And Jesus answered, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. Yes, even the power that Pilate had, yes, even the power that we see that our president in this country has, the power that 
Vladimir Putin has in Russia, those things have been given to them by loan. It's been lent to them. Romans 13 tells us very clearly, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed or governed by God, ordained by God. So take courage in that. When we feel like we didn't get what we paid for, or what we voted for, think about that. God is in control, Christian. He's in control. And Jesus answered, you could have no power. But then notice what he says in the, in the last part of the verse. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. This is more than likely referring to Caiaphas, the high priest, because he, he literally delivered Jesus to Pilate the first time, and we know that that was what had happened. So he has the greater sin, but notice Jesus' conviction and his holiness struck fear in the heart of Pilate, and that's why he would say in verse 12, and then on, from then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, if you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. (laughs) Oh, now you've really hit the vein, didn't you? Boy, they were manipulating him, and boy, they had him in, in, in their grasp. He thought he was in power, and they've got him like this. And they're like, oh, if you, make, if you don't do something, then you make Caesar, you know, you're blaspheming against Caesar if you allow this king to, go, to continue to go on. You've got to do something with him, because if you don't, and Pil- this is what Pilate's thinking. Remember that guy, that, that, that clerk in Ephesus, who says we could be called into we could be called um, about this. We could, we're, we're responsible for what's happening here. If this gets back to, to Rome, we're going to be in a lot of trouble because of this unlawful uproar. That's what Pilate's thinking. Now he's got to do something. He's forced to do it. He still had a decision. Notice in verse 13, underline this. Actually, verse 8 and verse 13, just circle those verses because this is where they're manipulating, the mob is manipulating Pilate. The tail is wagging the dog. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat, or literally the bema seat, that's what judgment seat is, in a place that is called the pavement, but in Hebrew, the Gabbatha. So Pilate, again, is being cornered. He's getting very frustrated. He's caught in their net. He feels compelled to do something now because of the reference to another king other than Caesar, which would be grounds for death for those who believe in that. And so let's take a quick look at Matthew's gospel and Mark's gospel because we're going to see these parallel accounts that Pilate was being manipulated again by the mob, and we'll see that. And we're just going to do this really quickly uh, because uh, for the sake of time. But in Matthew chapter 27, uh, it's the parallel account of what we're reading now. But one thing I want to bring out to you is in verse 19 and 20 of Matthew 27. It says, While he was sitting on the judgment seat, notice, his wife now sent to him, saying, Have nothing to do with this just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. So now Pilate is feeling like the Jews have got him in their hand, and he's got to do something. He's got to crucify. He's got to give in to their demands. And now his wife, think of the power of a wife. Forget the power of the mob. The power of the wife. She comes to him and says, 
I've suffered many things in a dream of this man. Have nothing to do with this just man. Well, thanks a lot. Talk about being between a rock and a hard place. Oh, yes, Pilate was in the crucible. And you know what? God allowed it. This man was a man pleaser. He was in politics, and he just wanted to please people. It didn't matter if there was a moral problem at all. He was just a man pleaser. Whatever you want. Whatever you want. What do you want? You want this? Oh, I'll give that to you. Even though it's wrong, I know. But you know what? You want it so bad. I'm just going to give it to you. No, a real leader should say, no, this is what the Bible says, this is what God has said, and I'm not going to give that to you because it's going to destroy you. What's the matter with you? Go back home. That's what a real leader will do. Not give you what you want, but give you what you need. And what we need is the word of God. And what we need is to follow the Lord and follow his word. Amen? But notice in verse 20, it says, The chief priests and elders, notice, they persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. They stirred the whole thing up. And then in verse 24 of of that chapter, it says, Then Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all. Yes, this Roman prefect, the governor of Judea, when he saw that he could not prevail, but rather that a tumult was rising, he took water, he washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I'm innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. Really? Notice how Pilate lost control, and rather than quelling the uprising like that clerk in Ephesus, he appeases the mob, he does the illegal thing. And the character of a person, isn't it true, is really shown when they are put under great duress, when they are held under the fire. It's times like that that we really find out who we really are. But not while everything is going well. It's usually when we're held to the fire. When we're under great duress, that's when we find out really what we're made of. I don't know myself. Does anybody know themselves here this morning? To know what you would do in a certain situation? I certainly don't, because I've proven it over and over again that I I talk a big game, and then I get right in the middle of the circumstance, and I realize that I wasn't all that I thought I was. There's a discrepancy about what I think of myself and what God knows to be true of me. And maybe you feel the same way. It's a healthy thing to examine your heart like that. And in doing so, we refrain from making wild boasts about what I can and cannot do. Because honestly, I have no idea. Maybe someday, I'm hoping one day, I'll shock myself. And when, the, when it really comes down to it, that I'll do the hard thing, the difficult thing. The thing that would require something that is extra supernatural that I don't have within my own self. And all the people answered and they said, this, his blood be upon us and on our children. Yeah, they didn't mean it like God meant it. <laughs> Certainly the blood of Christ would be over them and they would be guilty of his blood. But God was thinking, if you would just receive the blood of Christ over you, you'd be free of your sin and have entrance to heaven. In Mark chapter 15, it says something interesting too. In verse 15, it says, So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd... Notice, to appease the mob, in order to gratify them, what does he do? He released Barabbas to them, a convicted true killer and robber and insurrectionist. They delivered, he delivered Barabbas to them and he delivered Jesus and after he had scourged him to be crucified. Again, the power of the mob. This man, Pilate. History says that 
After all of this had happened, after the crucifixion and the resurrection, many years go by, and Pilate actually has to go back to Rome, and I think it was Caligula he had to stand in front of. And because of all this stuff that was going on with Pilate, he was an unstable man. Finally, Caligula told him to go kill himself, and he did. I believe it was Caligula. He says, go and take care of yourself. And I believe it was Pilate who poisoned himself, and he died. I think that's how he, uh, how he passed away. But he was a consummate politician. He compromised truth and justice to satisfy the angry mob. You know, in the last couple of years, there have been a number of judges and leaders, civil and even religious in our country, who have given in to the court of public opinion rather than doing what is right. But let us be resolved to do the right thing. Let us not be one of those people that gets caught up in the court of public opinion especially wrongful public opinion, and let's uphold and encourage those who are doing the right thing, regardless of what the public opinion is, because the public opinion is usually wrong. The public opinion is usually based on the flesh. Very seldom is it doing the right thing. And so we have to, we have to know, and it takes conviction, doesn't it? It takes spine and that can only be given to us by the Spirit of God. That's what we need today, folks. We need the Spirit of God. We need discipline. We need discernment. We need wisdom. We need fortitude. And last but not least, we need great love, agape love. We need that today. And let's not be gullible, believing everything that the media is telling us. But be a Berean, like uh, Acts 17.11. They, they searched the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. You know, be a Berean, in the word, of course, first. But search out everything, even stuff that you see in the media and on YouTube especially. Because there's so much falsehood in the media today. And be careful about your propagation of that stuff. Before you send an email, before you send a tweet or a retruth, be careful about what you send because chances are, and I've got caught in this a number of times and I'm fed up with it. Be careful. Be careful what you listen to, especially on YouTube, especially on Twitter, wherever you're getting your news, even Fox News, yes, and somebody will call the radio station later and say, I'm, you know, I'm not going to listen to you guys anymore because he said something about Fox News. Fox News is a mess, just like the rest of them. True journalism is dead. <laughs> there are only a few, maybe, who actually hold to it. And they're quickly ran out of town by these big, you know, mainstream media companies. They don't want the truth. They want to spin it the way they want. But nothing is, nothing is new under the sun, isn't it? And we see that even in this... And what Jesus went through. There's really nothing new that happened there. You could basically take those situations, the people, the events, all those things, and you could overlay them on 2022, and you would find that they're probably just like the same, it's like the same stuff. It's the same thing that's happening. There's nothing new under the sun. What has been will be. And the things that, and people will look back on, the, on, on even today, and they'll forget about the, th the events of today. That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.